0: Hello, welcome back. I am your host, Charles Musgrove, and you've joined in again to the Answers That Count podcast. Thank you for joining us. And before we get started, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and hit the like button because you're going to love this show. This show is a hot topic, and we've got Mark Dutram from the Bayview Private Wealth Group here. And man, we are going to talk about investments how to preserve the wealth that you've made how to maximize it once you've earned it you sure to you surely don't want to see that investment devalued in time so we've got some great topics we're going to hit this this afternoon so thank you for joining us mark tell us a little bit about bayview and your your background
1: i love it this is a great show i've been doing this uh investing in financial planning for about 30 years uh and I did it for other firms for a long time. So two years ago, I launched Baby Private Wealth in Destin. Uh, again, we were a very large firm. Again, we had over 400 clients, and we just decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna service no more than 100 families. That way, we can have deep relationships, and uh, again, do estate planning, financial planning, investments, everything for just a select group of families. And we, we couldn't be happier. I mean, it was the best, one of the best things I've ever done.
0: Yeah, that that is. Uh, you know, you mentioned when when uh, financial managers, they tend to get big and then they lose focus on working with the individual client. And it's a very personal relationship because people's money and their investments, it's very personal to them and they want to make sure they're taken care of. So I, I applaud you for doing that and putting the emphasis on quality service to the client. So uh, that you got that for free. I wasn't trying <laughs> to, to to do a sales pitch for uh, Bayview, but that that is so important because... Being a CPA, I work with a lot of clients and I don't do financial management or financial investments, but I see how that works. And I've seen people that do that really well and those that don't do it so well. So uh, that's very good that you do that. And let's uh, it, yeah,
1: it's a business model. You know, you could uh, we call it a lifestyle practice. So it it is better for everyone again. The clients love it because we can be fully engaged in them. Um, again, we love it because, again, we have more time to actually even focus on continuing education and making ourselves better at all the different disciplines that we need to do.
0: Exactly. And, it, and like any other profession, it takes it takes study time. You have to stay up on the markets. You have to stay up on on technology changes. And we're going to hit on some technology that you use in your practice today. So uh, that'll be near the end of the show, but I think it's uh, well worth staying around for. I love that. I love well, that. Well, good. Let's... Uh, Let's get started with some slides. We've got some good slides and uh, efficient markets hypothesis. So what, what does that mean? I mean, that, that's not something that you created. That's not a, uh, a terminology that, that you or I created, but that's been around for a while.
1: I know, and not one that's used in everyday uh, language, right? You don't pull that out at a party or something like right. that and say, <laughs> hey, let's talk about efficient market. Um, no, I, I guess in its simplest terms is it means that all of the data is already reflected in stock prices so you know again there, there's probably i think uh 600 billion dollars change hands every day wow in the stock market so all the buyers and sellers it's almost like uh when you're betting you know it puts uh equal uh, people on e- both sides of, right. the, of the trade right. so stocks then are already efficiently priced with all of the collective data, you know, you go into the market with a lot of research. I go into the market with a lot of research. I think that Apple's going to go up. You think that Apple's going to go down. And so the market, through all that efficiency, prices itself very effectively, very efficiently. And that's kind of basically what that means.
0: Interesting. So, you know, a lot of people that they're not working with an advisor like you, they may their investors and i won't call them armchair quarterbacks but they they do their own investing and they they a lot of times end up chasing the market or they chase last year's winners and i've seen st- some statistics on last year's winners that are that are winners in the current year is like 20 something it's a real low percentage
1: i mean and and so like i said i've been doing this for 30 years i fell prey to that for probably the first 20 years i'm an optimist you could probably know that from hanging around me from any period of time but Yes, I would say that I could with a crystal ball and with, again, the pros. So, even like you said, money managers, mutual funds, ETFs, those guys, their ability to add what's called alpha beat their benchmarks. Right. Very low percentage. And so, as a matter of fact, if I hire one looking in the rearview mirror that's done well in the past, his likelihood of of exceeding that and doing it again is even further decreased. Wow. So there's professional advisors out there that are doing the same thing. They're buying people based on past performance only to have you. So I didn't get to benefit from that, right? The (laughs) performance they they experienced was in the past. Right. I buy them now, and then subsequently they underperform. And, yeah, I mean, that's not a good recipe for my money nor
0: your money. Right. right? Yeah. So the better model is to have some, some index or some formula-driven allocation of your money. And it, not to give away the, the, the juice that's going to come at the end, <laughs> but that's really where we're driving to, right?
1: No, yeah. Well, so we tell people, and again, I, I teach people, um, that if you don't know what you're doing, the best thing you could do would be indexing right? Because now you just buy the market and you remove the things from the market that uh, can sh- steal returns. So wrong guessing, right. uh, turnover, uh, higher taxes, additional costs, right? So those things would be eliminated in a index type of performance. Uh, and then, like I said, what we do is we make the indexes smart. So we add some what we call factors to our, to our portfolio.
0: So don't, don't try to outguess the market. And that kind of goes with chasing what's happened in the past. Don't try to guess it. If you're, if you're not a, pro- even some of the professionals, I guess, they probably, there's some of those that even guess as well, or they chase last year's winners.
1: Yeah, like you said, it, historically, you'll have maybe 20% of uh, what we call active managers, the guys that are, are trying to outwit the market with security select in and timing the market. Uh, their likelihood of winning, again, is very low. And so, even the ones that do win, you would say, "Hey, let's follow those guys around. Their likelihood of repeating it." So I always say too, if somebody comes to me with a, somebody, that, a manager that's done well, I would say, "Show me how that's not luck, right. right? Show me how they how they could repeat that process going forward." And most of the time, again, they're not going to be able to.
0: You know, we were talking about this uh, before we started recording, but there's a lot of there's a lot of focus right now on. Mon- the government putting money into the into the economy. I mean, we we've seen yep. just in 2021. There's uh, the 1.9 trillion dollar uh, they call a stimulus plan for for the uh, COVID-19 that went into the market in January or February. There's discussion of this uh, infrastructure plan that's going to be. Um, who knows what's going to happen with that? But that's that's a price tag of another two trillion dollars that they're looking at at uh, going into the economy and what happened in 21 to try to offset what happened with with covid so all that money going into the economy surely that's that's has that's having an effect on the dollar, the valuation of the dollar has to be decreasing with all that happening.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, so, you know, so we would actually be bullish for 2021 because what's happening is we're moving those returns forward, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of that, uh, you've got, again, pent-up demand, you've got historically low interest rates, you have, again, all of these stimulus dollars coming into the market. Well, that is actually going to produce uh, market returns, right? So right. Uh, performance of companies, which again, have been quite solid, but you know, is it sustainable? So I think, uh, you know, a lot of where you end up has a lot to do with where you start out. Right. And so, you know, prices today we know of stocks can be quite frothy and certain sectors for sure. Uh, So I think returns are going to be a lot more humbling, moving uh, 2022 and beyond because of what you just talked about. Eventually, those things have to be paid for. Right. So, probably taxes are going up in the future. Probably a regulatory environment that's going to be a little bit more strict. Uh, high multiples that you're paying for securities. Uh, all of those things are going to produce, uh, again, headwinds for market returns. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and beyond. So, yeah, great and that, point.
0: Yeah. Those are those. That's some of the uh, the timing that I've seen also is that 21 looks to be strong. But then those things, all that spending kind of catches up at Q4 of 21. And then 22.
1: Think about even our own personal budget. If we were to do that, just go on a, uh, a binge of just spending. Eventually, yeah, you're going to have to tighten the belt up and, uh, again, slow down growth, slow down spending, slow down. You know, the U.S. economy, 70% of GDP is consumer spending, right? Right. And uh, if you start removing all those stimulus checks and things that are going out there. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so we say focus on the things that you can control, which would be reducing costs, would re- reducing taxes, reducing wrong guessing, reducing turnover, and then capitalism works, yeah, right? I mean, right. let it work. We're a free market, uh, conservatives. And that's why, again, uh, we're not too much on government inter- intervention, right. but right. You know, they're, they're definitely, uh, uh, participating right now. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. That we've, uh, we've had an economist on several times. And, and, uh, when we see that when the government intervenes in, in the economy and the, in the free markets, it really has a, has a negative impact. And we go back to, uh, we've used the cash for clunkers as an example of that. And, the the unintended consequences that that happened in the in the market. So, you know, it's I,
1: funny because we're actually looking, we're modeling, we use scenario analysis, but, you know, uh, during the Obama administration, again, trillions of dollars were infused in the market at the time and no effect. Remember, right. GDP growth was still stagnant, still low. We had, again, a good decade of underperformance. Right. And so it didn't work. Right. It didn't work in stimulating the economy.
0: Right. So focus on what you can control. So we talked about the, uh, controlling your taxes. Uh, you'd mentioned some other things there. So what else can, can the investor do? And I, and I'm sure that you're going to say that the sooner you incorporate a plan and you start investing, the better you are because time is a, is a big component of the plan that's put in place.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, people don't plan to fail. They fail the plan, as we always say. So, uh, obviously, yeah, I, I always say sub- you know, work with an advisor, especially if you don't like doing this kind of stuff. And be holistic. So they're looking at the tax consequences of your investing. We see that, you know, people kind of mismanaging having the right assets in the right accounts, having the right accounts. um, And then again, removing all of the stuff that's going to steal returns. We know taxes steal on average 1% to 2% of people's returns over time. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. When you start amplifying that times year after year after year.
0: Yeah. And actually, I I was listening to somebody today in the, which, you know, this is uh what's the biggest cost in your household is taxes yeah so uh and about to go up exactly so <laughs> that's uh, we a. we're not hoping that, we're not <laughs> hoping that happens uh it, it's just in that inevitable that's going to happen there's already been discussion from from the executive branch that we have now so that is going to happen uh you know they gave they gave us money now they're going to take it back so what what someone giveth they can take it away
1: that's true So, again, uh, businesses, you and I, the consumer, we're what creates an economy. Right. And, again, the more freedom we have to do that to kind of expand, the better off we'll be. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, not, uh, you know, run and intervention and the whole crowding out effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We don't need the government picking winners and losers. Let us let the market do that. Exactly. So we have I know that if we go to the next side, we've we've talked about don't chasing don't chase the winners from from the from the past because those are going to be different. In in what we're what we're looking at now. Yep. So let's go, John. Let's go to the the slide with the dimensions of expected returns.
1: Yep. So this is uh, really important as as we talked about making the index smart, right? So basically, what we do is we say, you know, the benefit of indexing is very low cost, right? And and then again, participating in a market capitalism is quite well, depending on the time frame you look at uh, the stock market, S&P 500, by the way, would produce about eight to 10% a year, right? But also the negatives of that is you end up buying bad companies just because they're part of the index, right? Right. That's right. And then you also get what's called the full market beta. You know, uh, last year when the S&P was down 34% or whatever, you were down 34%, right? Yeah. So what we do is we take that index and then we say, How about we make it smart how about we start taking out all the companies that are uh overvalued right as we said that you paid too much for right uh so that's one of the factors that we use in our in our models how about we start uh stripping out the companies that are less profitable right so let's choose the ones that have higher margins higher uh, quality of earnings better cash flow better cash flows yes better balance sheets lower leverage right Um, And then so if we start stripping those out and then size, it would make sense uh, to me anyway, intuitively, that a smaller company should outperform a larger company over time. Right. Because you're taking more risk. Right. Right. And that. And so, yeah, this this slide is actually showing that that actually comes to pass over time where there's risk is opportunity. And so as you take more risk, you're going to be compensated for that. And that's that's capitalism. That's how it works. And so what this slide is showing you that over every five-year period and that and by the way, this is a 100 years' worth of data um, Well, actually, this one, I think, is showing um, uh, what's called uh, bootstrapping. It has 20,000 random monthly returns of bootstrapping, right? Mm-hmm. And it's saying that over a five-year period yeah, 65 percent of the time, right? Uh, that if you have a size tilt to your portfolio, it's going to outperform the broad benchmark. Interesting. Yeah, which is actually pretty good. So not you know 100 percent of the time, but if I said, hey, uh, two thirds of the time we're gonna win, it's better that's, than
0: a 50 50. toss You
1: you got it right there, yeah. right? So if that you, is,
0: so the small so what that is telling us is the smaller companies have more upside. Would you rather bought Apple when it was small or when yes, it was large? small.
1: Exactly. Right. Microsoft when it was small. Right. So what's happening there is you're buying them and able to participate in that type of uh, rapid growth. As they get bigger, yeah, I mean, their, their growth is going to obviously right. become smaller.
0: So that's, that's almost common, common sense also that once a company, and you can look at it in your own investments too, once it reaches a certain size, you've kind of squeezed out all of the profit on that.
1: Well, and so what do they do to attract you to buy their stock, as a matter of fact? They say, hey, you know, my growth is not going to be as strong. Let me pay you a dividend. Right. 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 I'm going to start giving you a rate of return in the form of an income cash flow.
0: So So in that example, you're trading the growth. With cash flow,
1: you got it. Okay, so the company has a choice on what it does with its money. Right, either it can fully invest in itself to grow, or it can pay you as an investor. Right, right, and we would want it to grow, especially if it's a good business model. This one is a value tilt, and probably some of the most uh, famous again, a Eugene Fama, a Kenneth French, uh, uh, um, a Warren Buffett. Warren mm-hmm. Buffett is probably one of the most famous value investors out there. Right, he says that whatever you invest in, price matters. And I would say that not only applies to stocks, but that applies to anything. Look at real estate. Absolutely. Look at gold. Look at Bitcoin. Look right. at anything when you when you buy it. If you pay too much for it, you're more likely to get hurt. So what we do by making the index smart is we say, what if we carve out these uh, these securities that are intrinsically overvalued from where they historically trade? And what this is showing again is we're getting that same two thirds of percent of the time that if you incorporate just this one factor, just this one tilt, they're going to beat uh, again broad markets, broad benchmarks. And again, we show people this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the so the value tilt also is that let's focus on those that are not overpriced. Let's let's go to the the tried and true buy low, sell high.
1: Yes, sir. Well, and a lot of people, if you had two funds, and and people confuse this, but you could buy a growth fund or a value fund. Right. Remember the growth fund, he doesn't care about price. Right. He's buying a sector of a momentum, uh, some type of uh, 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 yeah trade that's actually happening. He doesn't care. The value guy says yes, price matters to me, and so I'm not going to overpay for a security. And that's what we tell our clients. We don't want to overpay for securities in the portfolio.
0: So what we're doing right now, we're going through the different components. Of building this index.
1: You got it. Okay. Well, or making the index smart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And using exactly. think
0: we're going to use technology to do this? I mean, yeah, mean, This has right. so, got so much data in it that it, it would, I could see a bunch of accountants in their green eye shade. It would take them forever <laughs> to create
1: this. Well, so algorithms, right? Yeah. And matter of fact, you could think then over the past year, sectors that became inexpensive hospitality retail right, those right. kind of things because Aeron. they were oversold right yeah. global real estate uh, municipal bonds yes it was a lot of things that actually got oversold so price matters and i you know, i would contest yes in a, in a huge way that matters over time the next one would be profitability we kind of talked about a little bit but um and again if you looked at two companies that made 10 percent last year how would you know then what's the best one to pick? Well, then you start going to, like you said, the income statement and the balance sheet. Right. Which one looks more attractive from a margin standpoint, mm-hmm. from a quality of earnings? Are they doing any off-balance sheet, you know, kind of kind of thing? Off-balance sheet risk. Um, and so profitability. Uh, actually, there's a shorter period that it covers because remember, people's books were not as open as they.
0: True. So That's you don't right. have
1: a hundred years worth of data, but you've got a a pretty long period of data that says if you paid attention to profitability it is going to reward you again, almost 90% of the time over a five year period.
0: So is that the last uh, factor that we're going to look at?
1: Well, we're keeping it at a, like a 50,000 foot view, right. but f- we do different things in fixed income, but this is an integrated. So this is saying if you take all, all of three those. of those trials, right, right, and you incorporate them by making the index smart, this is saying 90% of the time over a five year wow. period, you're going to actually beat broad benchmarks.
0: That's powerful. That is so powerful. So
1: I mean, we can't give people a hundred percent of the time guarantee, but I mean, and a matter of fact, we have gone through periods recently where this did not prevail, right? And then people would guess, "Wow, hey, is this still gonna?" But now, I mean, it's 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 outperforming in a huge fashion. And of course, we don't have enough time on the show to kind of dig into all the data, but it's it's a,
0: it made me double down. But here's the important part of that, and, and we talked about this b- before the show started. Is the time horizon that you know people that are near retirement they don't want to go all in and be on the and hit the bottom of a market drop and they don't have enough time to recoup let's say it's a 20 year i mean we're looking at five years not 20.
1: that's right well that's a great point because if you're buying into the market today and you have a very short time horizon and you paid very high prices for the securities again through what's called regression analysis, you can tell what your estimated returns are going forward. That's why we said we're much more conservative on, or humble on the returns going forward. Because if you pay a high price now, the probability of you having historically high returns going forward are not good. Right. right? That's right. Yeah, that would make sense. Right. Um, so, yeah, an integrated approach just in the equity side. We do something different in the fixed income side with with kind of uh, factor base as well. But, yes, we're increasing the likelihood of success, which is the only thing that people care about is, hey, give me a higher probability of succeeding Absolutely. in investing.
0: And that's compared to the broad-based indexes.
1: That's right. Well, the indexes that these guys are up against, right? So, yeah, if you're just equities as a whole, you know, is a growth guy beating a value guy? Is a large guy beating a small guy? Is a right. less profitable? Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. That's very interesting. So when you're planning with a with an individual, you go through this. Where does, does risk tolerance come into that?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we, we have probably 10 to 12 different models you know, some goal base, some uh, age base, some risk tolerance base. Um, you know, people have to be able to understand what they own, right? right? right. Uh, otherwise, you can't own it, right, right? If you're not. And then, like I said, we hope you actually get the velocity because then, even during those periods, those 10% of the times where it's not working, you still have the conviction, right? Because you go, hey, wait a minute, I know this works over the long term. Right. So even if I have a period of underperformance, what this chart is showing, yeah, trailing 12 months, right? You see that small cap value. So, Charles, that's what I'm saying. That small box there that you see on the bottom left, right, right, right. should be the best performing box over time. Because, number one, it, had, well, it has all of the factors kind of built into it. Right. That one just, it doesn't have the profitability tilt, but it has the size and the value tilt, right? And so, it's up 114% wow. <laughs> versus, you know, large cap growth, which, again, has done. And that's these one are, year. That's right. These are still great numbers. They're still so yeah. crazy to me when I look at that during a COVID. You know, yeah, COVID was a I'm part of
0: it. So here's the if if you had the crystal ball, and maybe you did this, that when the market during COVID in March, when the market tanked. Yes. If you were setting on cash when that happened and you just we did went it. all in. We
1: did it. Uh so actually, like I said, <laughs> I even overweighted to that small cap category category because it was already underperforming going into COVID, mm. right? We were already seeing a historical discrepancy between that large cap growth, small cap value space. So, uh, yeah, and like I said, from, uh, from that bottom, again, it's up 114%, which is quite, wow. uh, quite staggering. What's important, though, is you might look at that then and say, that's got to be expensive now. Right. Right? So you say, hey, it's up 114%. Yeah, that's the, that's versus... the
0: fear now. Or are we at the top of the market?
1: Okay. So I think the next slide will show. This is interesting, right? So this is forward PE. Uh, everybody, remember, when you're buying a stock, you're buying a dollar of future earnings. And you're paying a price for every dollar of future earnings. So what this is saying is if you look at uh, bottom right-hand corner, small cap growth. Right. That's saying you're paying 87 times a dollar of future earnings. Wow. which would be historically very expensive, yes, right? right? Matter of fact, the, the market as a whole, the S&P 500 on average trades at around 16 or 17 times earnings is what you're paying is a fair value right. for that. So large cap growth, you're paying still 30 times a dollar of future earnings. But look at small cap value. Even after being up 114% trailing 12 months, it's still you're still paying 19 times a dollar of future earnings. And yeah, I mean, uh, there's still attractively and that whole so value section-
0: I mean, it's still certainly attractive. attractive compared to the growth.
1: You got it. You got it. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, again, if we're still looking at things today where we said, hey, price matters, what should, would I be owning? Yeah, our portfolios, we f- we feel like we still have very attractive uh, 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 price security. But the
0: way that would work in in real life is that if you have an investor now that, that they're going into the market, you're going to focus on the 19.33 bought.
1: Well, we Is that right? Um Yes. Well, yeah. Cause remember that's, that's incorporating our factors in. There. Right. Yeah. So, but we always do that. Okay. Right. I mean, that's always important. What's happening today is you see a lot of people crowding into that top right box, the small or large cap growth mm-hmm. because technology is sexy, right. right? Right. Apple, sexy NVIDIA. I mean, all these companies that have been, you know, the Same. NASDAQ, huge, huge returns. Right. right. But there's a, you know a, a rosy what do we say a, a, a high price for a rosy consensus right right yes and so you and so consequently year to date yeah you see tech pricing itself a lot uh, again a lot lower than what some of the other sectors are and i think because you're seeing as we talked about interest rates rise it starts to pull some of the multiples that you actually see in the market if i would have showed you that uh, again probably a month ago uh, it was even higher uh, hmm. large cap growth was even, uh, even frothier at 30, 34, 35 times a dollar a future.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you get, you're gaining a fan of this index process <laughs> that you, that you go through.
1: It works. What's it the works. next
0: slide we have, John? So this is a result of putting all that together. Is that right? I know that's hard for the viewer to see that.
1: Yeah. Well, well this one is kind of just showing. So Charles, if you came to me and said, like you said, your couple, I'm I'm very close to retirement. I want to draw. You know five thousand a month, ten thousand a month, whatever it is from my portfolio um, what you know could I sustain that? What's my mm-hmm. likelihood of sustaining that through a retirement? So we use uh, again very sophisticated software that we could do, run various scenarios on either macro environments that are happening or or you know government intervention versus just market performance right and we say you know based on that distribution rate, how do we need to build this portfolio to Give you the greatest probability of success so the same thing in building the portfolios is you know the distribution strategies that we do interesting
0: yep. man i'm I'm seeing a lot of value in this uh, this plan so I think we have one more slide and now this is re- really hard to see and i I would say uh, the gold line that goes like this <laughs> that's uh that's your money on a uh, properly planned allocation and investment strategy. Actually,
1: what that would is showing, I, I forgot we had this slide. It, uh, it's showing the S&P 500 is that bottom blue line yeah. versus the, the value component, adding the factors so right. to that it. That is what it shows. That is exactly yeah. what it's showing. But the whole purpose of that is actually we're looking at you know correlations and, uh, uh, again, max drawdown risk scenarios the same thing if we looked at two funds that made 10% the next thing we go underneath is what we call standard deviation and uh, alpha beta uh, Trenor all these different kind of risk metrics to make sure that these things are actually benefiting the 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 the, uh, the sum is greater than the than right the parts yeah right. synergy yeah. man
0: this is some very good stuff and I know this has been so beneficial to the viewer so thank you for joining us. Mark, we're going to wrap it up there. Mark Dutram from Bayview Private Wealth. Man, this has been a great show. I look forward to uh, seeing you on a future show. I know we've got two more scheduled, and they're going to be equally as impactful. So, audience, please tune in for future shows. Mark Dutrum with Bayview Private Wealth. What a great show. You've been watching Answers That Count. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. Have a great day. Peace.